This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The higher frequency of large storms causing greater levels of damage has turned the insurance market upside down. Insurance prices are higher, and in some states, there are far fewer options for insurance as there have been in years past. Ben Keyes, professor of real estate here at the Wharton School, uh, focuses on this as part of his work, and he joins us right now here in studio. Great to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks, Dan. So is it fair to say that the marketplace is up and down right now, or is it more kind of, I guess, down thinking because of the impact that the marketplace is seeing because of the storms and the cost, et cetera. Yeah, private, uh, the private market for homeowners insurance is in turmoil right now uh, in a level of chaos that we've never seen before. And I think uh, right now the market is moving far faster than uh, regulators, policymakers, or researchers can can fully wrap their heads around. The, the latest report this week was that uh, premiums uh, have gone up over 20% on average nationwide and about 35% over the last two years. But in Florida, they're up uh, by about two-thirds, 68%. Yeah. And so if you think about all of the homeowners who buy a house with a fixed-rate mortgage and they think, hey, I, I'm basically locking in the cost of housing as I go forward, especially if you're on a fixed income like an older household, that's no longer the case because insurance costs are going up and up and you can add property taxes to that and dealing right. with the cost of climate. And so there's a lot of uncertainty that homeowners are facing right now. How much are you seeing that in coastal communities, coastal states, but how much is also playing out in other you know, communities across the United States right now where you, you still can have the issues of flooding or tornado or, you know, whatever it is. And then obviously how the different townships and states are dealing with those extra costs. Absolutely. One of the things that I was able to do this past year was testify in, in front of the U.S. Senate to talk about this issue of, um, of, ho of homeowners insurance and the challenges that households face. And I, I wrote a, an op-ed on the topic, and, and I received a number of, of emails from folks who said, hey, don't forget about the places away from the coast. Uh, we have, we're having issues, too. Yeah. And if you look um, at the data, and the data is scarce, and this is something I'm working on at the moment, is building a, a better data set uh, to really analyze this. But um, parts of the Midwest uh, uh, have seen prices go up the most um, relative to uh, where they were before. Um, and that's tornadoes. That's um, river flooding. Yeah. Um, that's just ser more serious winter storms. And so it, it's really a, a function of all of these risks rising um, in, in recent years and more people living in harm's way. And the cost of repair going up and up, going, growing faster than inflation. And so all of these things are driving insurers to raise premiums or, in some cases, exit markets entirely. So that was the, the next part I want to ask you, because you mentioned Florida before. And that's one of the states where a lot of this focus is really you know, geared towards where there are actually insurance companies that are bailing, getting out of the state of Florida because of all of the extra costs that they have seen accrue over the last, what, couple of decades? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to Hurricane Andrew in the early 1990s as the first giant disruption, I think, to the sort of modern insurance market in the state. And it's and the, the number of disasters we've seen in Florida in the last few years have have really aggravated, um, you know, what was already a, a challenging market. And, and so what we've seen in, in Florida is we've seen some of the big players leave the state, as you've mentioned, and we've seen a, we've seen a big push to change the regulatory landscape. So uh, there's been a lot of um, lobbying that's been happening at a state level, I and mean, insurance is all regulated at a state level. And so it, it becomes a very 
um, splintered um, and complicated market to, to follow. Yeah. Um, the other thing we've seen is, is a, a big increase in the number of people who are on the state public insurance plan. And this was originally intended as a stopgap measure. If you know there was some disruption in the market, you wouldn't lose coverage. So there was no interruption of coverage. Right. Now we see 1.3 million homeowners in Florida on the state public plan. So private insurance markets have basically failed in that state. And that's up from only 400,000 just five years ago. So it's more than tripled uh, in the last five years. And so take a moment and basically explain what you're talking about there with that state-based mm-hmm. plan where the state has basically made the option yes. for people to have homeowner's insurance in locations because the private companies will not do it. Exactly. And so if you think about why we need insurance, we need insurance to manage risk first and foremost, but we require insurance if you have a mortgage. Sure. If you don't have insurance, you cannot get a mortgage. Fannie and Freddie will not write a mortgage. Basically, no bank will write a mortgage that yeah. doesn't have an insurance policy that protects the value of their collateral. And so mortgage markets shut down, housing markets shut down. Yeah. No one wants that to happen. And I think that's where the the state um, moving to start a, a, a public plan uh, really grew out of, continuous mm-hmm. coverage to protect the value of the collateral. So the, this program is called Citizens uh, citizens Property Insurance in, in the state. And again, it was originally set up as a stopgap measure, sort of a, a Band-Aid um, for the market when there might be some kind of disruption. So one insurer goes out of business, you're looking for a new policy, you don't yeah. want an interruption in coverage. But what we've seen is as these big players have left the state, now there really aren't any alternatives for a lot of homeowners, especially in coastal areas, to turn to. They're finding that insurers are denying their applications and saying, we're not interested in insurance in these risky areas. And so what that means is that the state is now backing a huge pool of the very most risky uh, insurance policies sure. uh, without a lot of capital behind it and uh, and with sort of a, um, a vague, um, I would say, uh, backstop in the form of, uh, of the ability to, to uh, issue a surcharge on basically every other insurance policy in the yeah. state. And there's a very unique element to what is covered and how it is covered when you think about some of those areas reading a couple of articles talking about you know people thinking that they were going to be able to have the value of their house covered under the insurance because of a storm coming through of a hurricane coming through they thought it was wind damage but it was designated as water damage and hence they were not covered and so you lose the value of your home right there and this is one of the heartbreaking things that uh, that we're seeing more and more of i think as insurers uh struggle uh, to to make the the payouts um, and it's you know obviously as from a a profit making standpoint it's great for an insurer to collect premiums and then deny claims right sure. I mean that seems like um, partly why we have regulation in the first place sure. over these kind of entities I, and this is one of the struggles I think a lot of households don't understand that they uh, don't have flood coverage uh, that's included in their homeowners insurance they need a separate policy from the national flood insurance program. Yeah. And uh, so those of you listening who, who might be in a, in a flood zone or even if you're not in a flood zone but worried about flood risk, you should take a look at uh, the NFIP program. Um, and I think what we're seeing is, is more, uh, more fighting over, uh, you know, what's the right claim, who is responsible for the claim. And in the context of hurricanes, as you mentioned, is it the wind or is it the flood? 
I mean, of course, it's both, right? It's it's, sure. a, it's a semantic yeah. argument, but yeah. it's one in which the the insurers, you know, are going to fight long and hard over because they want to minimize the claims they pay out. How many states have programs like what we see in Florida, a state based insurance program at this point? And is the expectation that the way the marketplace is going right now, we may see more of these pop up in the years ahead? Yes, absolutely. Um, over thirty states now have these uh, state run plans. Um, California's plan has doubled in size um, and now uh, has about a quarter of a million uh, people on, on that plan. Um, and and we're hearing from most of the states that don't have these plans that they're working on setting them up, that they are worried about these these um, the, the, the departure of some of the big players from these markets and the sure. inability of of home buyers in particular um, to be able to find insurance when when they're purchasing a home so that they can get a mortgage and that they can actually purchase the property. So a state like Colorado is actively putting together uh, one of these state plans at the moment and trying to, to use best practices uh, in terms of what some of these other states are doing. So for a state like Colorado, where would be the areas of concern that they would focus on on the potential damage? Where would it come from? Wildfires, I would think, yes. would be one of the big ones in a state like Colorado, like it is in California as well. Yeah, you nailed it. It's it's wildfires first and foremost. Um, and they did have a, a pretty serious, they've had a number of serious wildfires in recent years, um, none of which are at the scale or the scope of what we've seen in, in California, but are devastating nonetheless. And the worry is that the private insurers are going to uh, reassess the, the degree of risk or or want to charge a premium that's not reasonable. And, and so they want to have some sort of public backstop in place um, so that, again, they can continue to have coverage uh, available so that the mortgage market functions smoothly sure. and the, the housing market functions smoothly. I think there's other risks as well in terms of flooding and in terms of winter storms. So the interesting thing about Florida is also this recent wave we have seen of people moving to Florida, wanting to live in the state of Florida for whatever reason it is. And you would have to think that some of these components would have an impact on the building that would be going on or would not be going on in, in Florida. Uh, and at some point will have a, a, obviously a detrimental negative economic impact to the budget of the state because you know that the state of Florida is bound to get another massive storm at some point, and that will have a big negative impact on their on their bottom line. Absolutely. Swiss Re is one of the largest reinsurers in the world, and they did a, a study on uh, trying to understand why risks have gone up in terms of the, the dollar losses that they anticipate for a given disaster, say a, a hurricane hitting Florida. And you can think of a few factors. One is the the frequency and severity of, of the storms, that, that climate change is making not necessarily more frequent uh, hurricanes, but more severe hurricanes, so more Category 4s and Category 5s. Number two is the cost of, of repairs uh, growing yep. faster than inflation. But number three is that more people live in harm's way. More people are moving into the states where it's easy to build housing, yeah. uh, where there, there are fewer restrictions on on zoning. So we're seeing more people moving into harm's way in Florida, moving into the coast and the Carolinas, moving into to Texas. And, and that's really a function of demographics when we think about the our aging uh, boomer population moving into warmer destinations. So you know, I, I think all of these things add up to um, bigger expected losses uh, when we get a storm, and, and that leads to um, to higher premiums. And um, and it, it sort of becomes this this challenge where you would think that you know rising premiums would be capitalized in the cost of of living in a certain location. You would say, sure. hey, this is a deterrent to living there. That insurance costs are going to be double or triple what what I thought they were, and what we're seeing, at least in preliminary research, hopefully we'll have something 
uh, more firmed up and early in the new year to share with you nice. um, is that uh, is that it's not being capitalized uh, into housing because there's so much demand for housing at the moment. So this COVID housing boom has been most acute in some of the areas that are most at risk from from climate risks. What does this mean then, do you think, for the future of the insurance market? And a lot of these companies that are, in many cases, household names that have been in this marketplace for decade upon decade, and what we could be looking at another decade or two decades down the line, it feels like it could be a much different landscape. For sure. And I, I don't you know, pretend to have any sympathy for the insurance industry, right? They're a profit. They're interested sure. in making profits and they're going to charge the premiums that can allow them to to create those profits. Um, at the same time, it's, it's a very splintered uh, regulatory landscape that they face. And uh, and sort of very inconsistent and, and uneven um, kinds of ways in which the, they're allowed to price certain risks and what's allowed to be included in their models. And so I think we need to standardize um, a lot of things so that we can make the rules of the road simpler and so that we can have more competition in this space. We need to find ways to bring the private market back into the, some of these markets. Some of that ultimately is going to lead to higher premiums. They are going to want to charge a, a higher price sure. that reflects risk. But some of that, to me, suggests that maybe that was un that risk was underpriced in the last ten years or so, and that yeah. could have been a function of very low interest rate environments and a lot of capital looking for uh, kind of bond like returns and finding that in the insurance industry or reinsurance industry. And so, as capital is kind of flowing out as a as a byproduct of uh, of higher interest rates, I think we 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 may see a, a real push to simplify regulation, streamline regulation, and make it a more straightforward and standardized product nationwide. And I think that could help the private market come back in. So does a lot of that then potentially fall in the lap of Congress as we move forward, hence off of your your testimony in, on, on Capitol Hill, how much are they looking at this as an option or are they looking to try and do what they can to support it at the state level? Yeah, at the moment, um, you know, insurance, uh, homeowners insurance is regulated at the state level and that's yeah. almost, you know, uh, full stop, end of sentence. Yeah. Um, you know, the Treasury Department set up a new a federal office of insurance coming out of the Dodd-Frank Act uh, with, a, I think, a growing recognition that, that this is an area of great concern. Um, and it's the one where I, I, I truly think that households' pocketbooks are first hit uh, when we're thinking about the effects of climate change. Um, you know, people's insurance premiums are going up and up. And so if you feel like, oh, climate change hasn't really hit me very hard. You know, your insurance premium is a lot higher than it was five or 10 years ago. And sure. and that's a function of it. And so I think it is going to lead Congress to, to take a close look. Um, but whether they're going to, to really change the way in which insurance is regulated in the country, I think that would be a big step. And um, probably unlikely to see it in an election year, but I think yeah. it, it's something that's going to be on the table as we think about just the health of this market. We want to make sure that, that there's a line of of private capital that's that's um, that's really you know I think reacting to risk and pricing risk and and hopefully steering better decision making, better adaptation better locations of, you know, where we're building homes and infrastructure. This is one of those dangerous third rail items that uh, probably does not get, no politician wants to get close to no, this until we get through November. No one wants to vote on that one in the short term. That's right. What What's the belief then that, that you have about uh, the strength of the, uh, of the, the private market and working with the states to be able to have multiple options longer term then? Yeah, I, I think one of the interesting, um, Proposals that's out there is, is looking at more public-private partnerships, and and some of that you know could come through the reinsurance market. So we haven't talked about reinsurance, but reinsurance yeah. is essentially um, insurance companies um, 
it for insurance companies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of insurance squared. Yeah. If you want to think about it that way, and, and you know the the private reinsurers um, have had policies where they've helped protect some of these state. Um, insurance plans. So they have been able to find um, private reinsurance for the public insurance plan. So I, I think there is going to be, you know, there, there, are, there are going to be opportunities, I think, to see more public-private collaboration in this space. I think that the first step is um, better information and better data um, and making that more available to, yeah. to households. I think households really don't understand the risks that they face in any you know level of depth relative to the way the insurance industry does, the insurance industry and the reinsurers have the best data and the best models because it's their capital at stake. Yeah, and uh, and so they're very concerned about these risks. Um, they're they're not particularly political. Um, there's there's not a lot of uh, debate in the insurance industry about whether climate change is quote unquote real. Um, it affects their bottom line every day, and and so I think it's a very simple thing to do there to democratize data, democratize information, um, and help households and 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 states uh, ultimately policymakers make better choices ben great to talk to you as always thanks so much for having me dan ben keys uh, wharton real estate professor joining us here in the studio to explore more content from the wharton school visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu